everyone, and welcome to the San Juan Snowcast. I'm your host, Chris. Today is Wednesday, January 26, 2022, and you're tuned in to episode 15. Well, folks, it snowed. Okay, well, only four inches. But that's something to celebrate in this dull and dry January. I mean, how could we go from the most exciting storm system to end December, which gave us almost all of our snowpack, to the most boring, dry, and miserable January? Well, if there's one thing you can count on in the San Juans, it's variability in our weather. Oh, and long time spans of high pressure hell in the middle of winter. But let's not get all doom and gloom, because there is still plenty of winter left. And what do you know, as soon as the calendar flips to February, we've got a little something-something popping up on the models. And hopefully, after that, we fall favorably in the flow for furious February flurries. I, for one, am definitely ready to ski some powder again. Real powder. That recycled stuff, it's only good for so long. So, on this week's show, we're going to look at the snowpack and the weather, of course. We'll check in with the community calendar... I've got some listener hot takes to share, and then I'm going to wrap this week's show with a look at an incident that happened outside of the wands, up in the Tetons actually, but illustrates something really important about communication between different touring parties in popular areas. And I will go on a micro rant about how we treat each other when we see other parties in the backcountry. Remember, they are friends, not foes. Today is a sunny micro pow day for the wands, so I hope you're out there enjoying it. Just remember to sunscreen those lips and don't cross your tips because the snowcast starts now. All right, let's kick it off this week with the snowpack and weather update. Four inches of new snow fell last night with very light winds, allowing it to stick nicely to many of the high peaks. And a few days before that, we got another little dusting of an inch or two. But otherwise, it's been a dry and destitute January. The lack of snowfall we've seen since January 1st has taken our upward trending snowpack graph and just completely knocked it sideways. Looking at the Snowtail snowpack graphs for the San Juans, we were at 140% of average on January 1st. Now we're at 103% of average. In my avalanche classes this winter, I've been showing this graph to illustrate how we can correlate these drought periods to the development of persistent weak layers. Every time we get a flat line on that curve, we have weak snow grains forming on the surface of our snowpack. Then when the line trends upwards, woohoo, that means we got a storm. But if it's after a long flat stretch, then that storm likely buried a potential weak layer. When you look at the shape of these graphs of the San Juans, they're essentially a staircase. We so rarely get incremental loading here that it's funny when you compare it to graphs for those in a maritime snow climate, like up in the Pacific Northwest, where they've got a much smoother snowpack growth curve. (laughs) Ha, that's what we get for being so close to the desert, eh? But man, hand cracks and single tracks sure are fun. Anyways, so what's going on with our snowpack? Well, the persistent weak layers that lurk near the ground on those slopes that face north have essentially gone dormant. We have not observed any reactivity on those layers for many weeks across the San Juans. But I wouldn't get too cocky, because they are still lurking down there. They might just come back to bite us in spring, but for right now, we were able to play pretty safely on a variety of slopes, because the robust mid-pack and deep snow depth of our snowpack is effectively shielding us from their wrath. 
This trend has led to many days of low avalanche danger here in the Wands, and the CIC has reported no avalanche problem for the last few days, which is nuts. Because we have this, you know, gnarly persistent slab down there, but they took it off the menu just because we're not seeing any avalanche activity to warrant it being listed as a concern. And this is highly unusual, but it also totally makes sense because the avalanche hazard is truly low by definition. And as one would expect, people are teeing off all over the wands and across the state of Colorado, skiing big gnarly objectives in all sorts of nooks and crannies out there and not really popping anything off. So all in all, really can't complain about that. But the ski conditions, on the other hand, (laughs) they are variable. And I've been working more than playing, but in the last several days, I've gotten out and found some horrendous punch crusts on the solar aspects, uh, unconsolidated wallowing and depth hoar on the norths in the alpine, and even pizza box wind slabs right along the ridgetops. Below treeline, the surface of the snowpack has become so faceted and uncohesive that when skiing in steep north-facing trees, we produce some long-running sloughs. And anytime you skied over or near like the reefy rocks, basically the entire snowpack just sloughed away down to the rocks. So weak surfaces abound out there right now for the next big storm to come bury. And the four inches that we just got will likely get crusted up soon in the warm sunny days ahead. So bottom line... Go get it while you can, people. If we can't have powder, we might as well have low avi danger and blue skies. If you plan on getting into bigger terrain in the next few days, remember you are not alone. So stay and listen to the end of this episode. Now looking ahead, we've got a storm coming in on Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. Nothing too crazy, but potential for up to 6 to 10 inches in the right spots. And uh, we'll take it. So keep your fingers crossed. Let's do a quick look at the community calendar. Here in Telluride, we've got the Pie Fund Backcountry Chat going down tomorrow night, Thursday the 27th at 6 p.m. in the library. Come on by to hear Ryan Howe uh, talk about how to do a better job with avalanche rescue. And come on by to just be a part of our backcountry ski community. Also, the San Juan Mountains Association has parked the Outdoor Research Tiny House at the Andrews Lake Trailhead over there on Mollus Pass. And they're hosting a bunch of these Opre ski science and social events uh, over there this Saturday at 1.30 p.m. And it looks like they've got a few of these happening on upcoming Saturdays. My buddy David Taft is the conservation director for the SJMA, and he invited me over to spend a night in the tiny house and record a podcast episode, which I am definitely psyched on and trying to find some time to go do. But meanwhile, check out what the San Juan Mountains Association has going on this winter by visiting sjma.org. All right, what else we got on the calendar? Oh, yeah, so there's a lot of great guide services and avalanche schools out there cranking out high-quality avalanche education this winter. So if you find yourself looking for more knowledge or training, just know that it's not too late to sign up for an avalanche course. If you're in the Telluride region or if you're willing to make the drive over, hit up Mountain Trip. We're teaching the curriculum that was crafted by the super experienced minds over at the Silverton Avalanche School, and we're offering public level ones and twos, as well as rescue courses, and we also offer private courses. So feel free to grab a few friends and check out mountaintrip.com for more information. And that's it for the community calendar. All right, last week's show was a hot takes episode. 
and I'll admit that things got a little bit loose. Hopefully, I didn't lose too many listeners with that episode, but I do think that there is value in looking into the mirror and cutting loose with some no-filter critiques of backcountry ski culture. Maybe with fewer old fashions. But, I mean, if we can't all laugh at ourselves, then we are taking hiking up and sliding down snow way too seriously. After the show, my friend Stephanie suggested that I open up the dialogue to you, the audience. To which I responded, that's an amazing idea, and I wish I had thought of that. And that's because the hot takes you heard in the last episode were those of the speakers, three white men in their late 20s, early 30s, who work as mountain guides. And that is just a very small subset of the overall backcountry ski community here in the San Juans. I'll also admit that when listening back, it sounds like a total bro down. So with all that said, and in an effort to make our backcountry ski community more inclusive, here are some hot takes from the listeners. Hello, my name is Anna, and I live in Durango, and things that we need to cancel in the outdoors in the backcountry is keeping your good ski spots and your pal stashes secret. Uh, you don't need to post your tracks, but, like, also don't gatekeep the good spots from people who are just trying to find some nice snow. Uh, the Texans and the tourists will not be making it to the good spots, I promise. They come from Pergantelli, which is great, um, but, yeah. Tell your friends about your good spots if they ask or take them. It's fun. Hey, Chris. It's Seamus. Thanks for everything you do with the Snowcast. Awesome public service. My take, I don't know how it is, is to let's just bridge the, the gap between the, the lightweight, uphill, speedy folks and the downhill-oriented folks. You know, I think there's a little bit more division than there needs to be there. Let's get people on the same team because... More skiing downhill is better, and more skiing is made possible by more uphill. Awesome. Well, thanks to Seamus and Anna for those hot takes. All in all, it sounds like we as a community just want to have fun, and that we should get rid of the divisiveness and animosity around secret stashes and shaming of the lightweight skimo crowd. Now, I will admit that I have given my friends a hard time for carrying very small backpacks into the backcountry, but that only comes from a place of love and a mindset of emergency preparedness. But however you want to recreate, whether it's on the latest and the lightest or the heavy and the steady, that is up to you. Just remember, we're all just out here trying to have a good time. A few more hot takes came in to me via email, uh, direct message, or in person, so I'm going to share those as well. Here's one from a lady shredder in the San Juans, and I quote, My touring gal pals have a few hot takes. Number one, mission mentality. It's okay to keep it mellow and just have fun. Number two, not filling in snow pits is not cool. Number three, keeping observations or condition reports secret is also not cool. And finally, number four, why don't we cancel peeing directly off the skin track, especially when it's in full sight of everyone else? Those are valid takes, and I uh, agree with all of them. Okay, here's another one. Um, this listener messaged me and told me about an experience they had with the CAIC, and ultimately what they found out was that the CAIC does not put every avalanche incident on their website, especially non-fatal incidents. In their experience working with them at the CIC after they submitted an avalanche incident, this listener reported that the staff subjectively selects non-fatal reports and did not post the one they submitted. And that is an interesting take. Um, I'm kind of curious to look more into that with this listener and also reach out to the folks at the CIC. I won't lie, I understand where they're coming from, but I also think more information 
the better. Unfortunately, I do have jobs that pay the bills and those take priority over my side hustle as an investigative journalist, but I will hopefully get to the bottom of it. Ah, okay. Here's another good one. This was told to me anonymously by a female backcountry tourer. And she said that whenever I'm skiing with men, the guys are usually ahead and I'm behind them on the skin track. And every time they stop for a discussion or decision-making point, they have the conversation before I even get there. By the time I arrive, they say, okay, here's the plan. Let's go. And then they take off before I can participate in the conversation. Hmm. That's a good one. And that one really rings true for me. And I think it's true no matter who the genders are, um, but make sure that everyone is involved in those skin track discussions about conditions, the plan and a decision. Um, the thing that I hate is the slingshot break, where as soon as the last person in the group arrives to the break point, that first person leaves and it's demoralizing for that last person. So go ahead and cancel that. Um, I think that when everyone's skinning together, you should give a break such that you all regroup, have a good conversation and then continue moving along. So thanks for that one listener. Also a few more hot takes that I've seen floating around out there during this high pressure period, peeing near the skin track and dog poop. Now, both of these things are unsightly and undoubtedly bad for our skins. I'm a big fan of peeing on a tree because then there's no yellow snow and, you know, you kind of just watered that tree a little bit. Uh, If you stand and pee, that can be easy. If you squat and pee, that sounds more difficult, Uh, but you can find a really small tree and have a similar experience. Uh, As far as dog poo goes, well, I think the stick flick is appropriate here. Um, If that stuff is anywhere near the skin track, find a good branch and fling it off into the woods. Or even better, I guess, you could bag it up and pack it out. But after seeing dog poop in bags along lots of walking trails around Telluride, it seems highly unlikely that that will catch on in the backcountry. Oh, well. All in all, thanks to everyone who reached out with some hot takes. I certainly had fun making the last episode. Can you tell? And I definitely plan on doing another one like that in the future. And next time around, I promise to get a more representative crew with some diverse perspectives and opinions. But thanks again for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed it. Funk break! And now, let's get to this week's Avalanche Education Nugget. So I want to start this nugget by looking at an incident that recently went down up in the Tetons. The younger, but taller, and more proud, cousin of the San Juans. Up there in Jackson, they have a whole bunch of people getting into the backcountry. I want you to imagine if all the skiers and riders of Ridgeway, Tullyride, Silverton, and Durango all lived in the same town and all tried to ski in the exact same spots. It'd be chaos. And to be honest, that kind of sounds like what it's like up there right now. They're definitely struggling a bit with crowding on popular lines and different touring groups not being able to manage each other out there in the terrain. Recently on the wildsnow.com blog, guide and guru, Jed Porter wrote about the old bottom-up versus top-down debate in ski mountaineering. Now, wisdom says that it's better to boot up what you're going to ski down so you have a better understanding of the ski conditions on your line. But that time booting up a coolar really extends your time in the exposure zone, with usually lots of overhead hazard looming above. Here in Telluride, we approach almost everything top-down because we have the fortune of having several steep north-facing coulars accessible by lower-angle south-facing slopes on the backside. Now, I can think of a few coulars that go bottom-up around here, but they're definitely in the minority. 
The reason I bring all this up is because of this incident that went down on the Sliver, which is an east-facing narrow couloir off of Naperse up in the Tetons. Here's a quick rundown of what happened. Two skiers approached the line, planning to boot up the couloir from the bottom. They stopped to dig a pit and check out snow stability. As they're digging, a solo slipboarder skins past. Now, they don't exchange any words with this other guy, but they kind of acknowledge each other's presence. The skiers wrap up their pit and follow the splitboarder towards the coolar. They all begin booting up the coolar, but a distance is maintained between the two skiers and the rider, and they never talk to each other. At one point, the border pulls around a little corner, and ultimately the skiers are still booting up. Little do they know, the border transitions and begins descending down the coolar, eventually cutting across the chute and producing a large slough. The slough hits the two skiers and wipes one of them off his feet. He tries to self-arrest, but then ragdolls down the coolar and over the cliff at the bottom. He suffers non-life-threatening injuries, but is still helicopter evac from a site below the apron of the coolar. Now, apparently, the border is first on the scene and helps for a little bit, but eventually kind of rides away before the rescue is complete. There's a great article on this whole incident, also on wildsnow.com, by Jason Albert, titled Thin Margins in the Sliver. And this all just happened. I mean, the article came out on Monday. So why do I think this incident is worth talking about? Well, because something like this could easily happen to us in the San Juans. And in fact, it has in the past. In popular areas like Bear Creek, Coulars around Silverton, or the Naked Lady Coular near Mollus Pass, And during times of low avi danger, folks begin to step into bigger terrain, and it's not uncommon for two groups to arrive at a trailhead and realize that they have the exact same objective in mind. Now, when this happens to you, you have a choice in how you respond. That is, if you believe in free will. Option number one is to mutter, shit, who the hell are these guys? Are they trying to snake our line? Well, if that's what they want, the race is on. And then you put on your boots and race up the skin track as fast as possible. Now, that's an option that I've seen play out in the backcountry many times, and I may have even been the one muttering to myself. But ultimately, that option leads to more risk for everyone involved. Not communicating or collaborating or compromising can get folks killed in high-consequence terrain where ego is involved. One of my great mentors always told me, a stranger in the mountains is just a friend that you haven't made yet. And I found a lot of wisdom in that as I worked through the phase of my early 20s where I thought I was invincible and that everyone else should move aside so I can run down the trail to my next big objective. When you run into others in the backcountry, don't cower behind that pine tree. Say hello. Give them a wave. See what their plan is and see where they are going. Use having them in the same area as an asset, not a liability, by getting on the same radio channel as them and coming up with a plan together. Maybe you and the other group both end up digging pits or gathering red flag observations that you can share with each other. In an emergency, know that you have them nearby and they have you. We really are a backcountry community, and I think we can easily slip into this us-versus-them mindset when we find out that others have the same plan as us. This happens all the time in multi-pitch climbing in popular areas like Red Rocks outside of Vegas. But guess what? If you blow up on somebody at the base of the route and start your day with a screaming match, you usually then have to share belays with that person the entire day. And it is awkward for everyone. So what's option two? Well, option two is to see all the potential benefits of having another group going for the same line. From sharing resources to information to the burden of putting in the skin track or the booter, 
See how you can leverage that situation to your benefit instead of just dwelling on the downsides. Also, talk to them. For the love of God, talk to them. Something like this. Hey, you guys going for sheep shoot as well? Right on. Well, there should be plenty of space for all of us to find some good turns in there. Hey, why don't we get on the same radio channel? Also, just so you know, we've got a rescue sled and an inreach in our group in case we need it for any reason. Hey, why don't we plan to touch base either in person or via radio once the first group makes it up to the rich? Cool, right on. My name's Chris. It's nice to meet you guys. Guess what, folks? If you choose option two, you may just make some new pals out of the day, perhaps even find a future touring partner. But if you choose option one, well, you're more likely to make some enemies, or at the very least, be stuck in a negative mindset for your whole day. So, let's go back to the sliver. What could they have done differently? Well, in his interview, Jason Albert interviewed the two skiers, and they both wished that they had just said something to the other guy. Something like, hey, are you going to wait for us up top? Or can you wait for us to tuck into a safe spot before you drop? A lack of communication can create an assumption, which can create confusion and ultimately lead to an accident. So get on the same page with the people who are around you in the backcountry, because if you don't, you're increasing the risk that surrounds you. And guess what? Sometimes the human hazard can be as sketchy, if not more so than the avalanche hazard. All right. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks to everyone who sent out a hot take. Those were awesome. And thanks to you for listening. Hey, I promise I'll get the next round of stickers out there shortly, but if you've already gotten some stickers from me, show me where you put them. Send a picture of the stickers locale to sanwansnocast.gmail.com or you can message me on Instagram. And if you're looking for some sticker swag, shoot me a message with your address. I'd love to make some more stickers. Lots of requests for a funk break one, but it turns out that stickers are not cheap. Like hundreds of dollars not cheap. So if you want to see more stickers, consider a little $5 donation via Venmo. It automatically puts you at the top of the distribution list for future stickers and would help me keep this side hustle going strong. You can find my Venmo in the show notes. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoy the sunshine and low avalanche hazard for the next few days. Next week, I'm taking my Pro 2 course with the Silverton Avalanche School, so it seems highly unlikely that I'll be able to crank out an episode next week. But uh, I'm going to try and see if I can rally something. So stay tuned to social media for more on that. And if not, I apologize in advance if you don't see a fresh episode next Wednesday. But in the meanwhile, take care of each other out there, friends. And until next time, think snow. Think snow.